Brandon was a 19-year-old Army recruit at his first week of boot camp. And one morning, he was up early with all the other would-be soldiers. And he lined up for formation out on the drill field. And the sergeant came out and inspected those uh, recruits. And he then gave the order, forward march. And all the recruits marched off the drill field, except Brandon, who remained standing at attention. The sergeant noticed that, none too pleased, and walked over slowly, glaring at this young would-be soldier, went up to the right side of his head and said rather sternly, is this thing called your right ear working? He said, yes, it is, sergeant, sir. And he strolled around to the other side and said, is this thing called your left ear working? He said, yes, it is, sir. Then why didn't you march forward when I gave the command with all the rest of the other recruits? He said, sergeant, sir. I was waiting for you to call my name. Now, that was probably worth 500 or 1,000 push-ups right there. But aren't we sometimes in our lives, like Brandon, maybe a little bit shy, maybe a little reluctant, holding back a little bit, a little bit pensive, maybe a great deal apprehensive, sort of waiting for God to call out our name specifically, to give us a personal invite, to be a part of his army, his work for mission, part of his commission, a part of the Great Commission. Today, as we continue in our sermon series, Seeing Jesus, we're going to look at the words of Jesus known as the Great Commission and the specific charge he gives to you and me to go out there and live our lives, live out our lives of love in response to what he has done for us and to go and to make disciples. I invite you to turn your Bibles or to the screens back to our text for today, our gospel reading from Matthew chapter 28. And these are the words of Jesus uh, in another post-resurrection, a post-Easter appearance. And he says to his disciples, Then the eleven went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. And we see the disciples still had some doubts, even at this point. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And these words, which we call the Great Commission, is how Matthew closes out his gospel at the end of chapter 28. The charge, the commission to all of us to go out and by the power of the Holy Spirit help make believers. And we have the assurance that Jesus, the very Jesus that Matthew begins his gospel with in chapter 1, Emmanuel, God with us, God incarnate, will be with us always every step of the way to the end of the age. And these are words that Jesus says to his disciples, and he says to us before he was about to leave his physical presence from this world. And this is a calling, and this is a commissioning for all Christians, for all believers, and not just some, to go out and make disciples, to live our lives, and the opportunities God gives us every single day, with the goal being this, that others would come to see and know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I think we're all called to be students of Christ, to be disciples of Christ. But we're also called to go out and make students and make disciples for Christ. And I want to draw a distinction here between being a student and being a disciple. Now, a student learns what their teacher knows, and that's a good thing. But a disciple strives to become what his master or what her master or teacher actually is. 
for many of us here at St. Michael Lutheran, we have worked through this year, or we're working through still, the Experiencing God Bible Study. And one in, in one of the later units, in Unit 11, the author Henry Blackaby makes this fundamental point. He says this, that for those of us who believe in the Lord, we've got to be excited and commissioned, uh, excited about missions and committed to missions. Or put another way, if we have the love of the Lord in our heart, the love of Christ will compel us to go out there and be concerned about others in our circles of influence, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools who do not know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. Now, in another post-Easter and another post-resurrection appearance of our Lord, in John chapter 20, Jesus says to his disciples and says to us, Peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Jesus is giving a mission to us. He's giving us marching orders. But his power and his presence go along with it and will be there every step of the way. And these words from John 20 and earlier from Matthew 28 um, are a charge for us to go and live our lives to show that love to others that God has first shown us, that others might see little glimpses of Jesus as as imperfect as we are, in us. Following is a story. Uh, little Angela was a five-year-old who went to a kindergarten at a local Lutheran elementary school. And she'd come home every day from kindergarten. And I think at that age, kids just love kindergarten. Isn't that a great word? Every, every day is great in kindergarten. And she'd come home and she'd tell her mom over a snack what happened during the day. And it was a Friday and she came home and mom said, how was your day? And it was great. And she said, I just love kindergarten, Mom. And Mom said, why do you like kindergarten so much? She said, well, it's my teacher, Mr. Williams. And she said, I've met Mr. Williams. He's a great guy. What do you like about him? She said, well, Mom, I think he might be Jesus. So she puts down the cup of coffee and says, well, I've met Mr. Williams, and he's a nice guy. But why would you say, honey, you think he might be Jesus? She goes, well, he's so nice. He loves everybody. He treats everybody kindly. He's always talking about God in the Bible. I don't know, Mom. I just think maybe he's Jesus that others might see little glimpses of the love of Jesus, of the faith of Jesus in our hearts as we live out our lives. St. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, that we are called to be imitators of Christ as we live out our lives God has given us. Reflections of that love. Uh, Martin Luther, 500 years ago, wrote, as we live out our lives, again, as imperfect as they are, that we would be little Christs in our lives, that people would, again, see some glimpse of the master teacher that we serve, so that others may know Jesus. We're told in the Great Commission to go out and make disciples. And we have the extra admonition of our Lord in verse 20 of Matthew 28, to go out and teach them everything that I have commanded you. Because increasingly, don't we live in a world where we interact with people who don't know the Lord? Wouldn't that be true? Sometimes in our own families, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools. We live increasingly in an unchurched culture. And Jesus tells us to go out, make disciples, and teach them what I have commanded you. And for people who don't know the Lord, they need to know the Lord. And they need to realize there is a desperate need to know Jesus. Because the fact of the matter is this, all of us sin. All of us fall short. None of us live the perfect life. None of us can keep God's word. None of us can keep God's law perfectly. We all fall short, and sin separates us from God. We miss the mark. And even if we try to live that perfect life, if we do just one tiny little thing, 
that God's word forbids, or we fail to do one tiny little thing that God's word commands, we fall short and we need Jesus. The law shows us our sin, but it also sets us up for the gospel, which shows us our Savior, the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us, that God loved us so much that he sent his son into this world to live that perfect life that we can't do, to suffer and die the death we deserve as we've talked about over the last couple weeks of Lent in the past two weeks since Easter. And then to rise again on Easter morning so that all who believe in him have a relationship with him can live for, with ever for him in heaven. We're saved by grace through faith on what account of Christ has done for us. Praise be to God. It's not up to us and not our works because we couldn't do it. We can't do it apart from Jesus. And others need to know him so they can have that salvation. And as I was thinking and and praying over this message, I was thinking of times I've seen people witness to their faith and and share the true message. And I was thinking of a story involving my mother. And I'm not sure why that came to me. Maybe next weekend is Mother's Day. And by the way, it's a good good reminder, everybody. Mother's Day is next Sunday. (laughs) Don't forget. And I was eight or nine years old at the time, so old enough not only to remember the incident, but to remember the, the, the gist of the content. It was a Saturday afternoon, and Mom was, like, making pies or cookies like she'd often do in the kitchen. My little brother and I were playing somewhere in the house, and the doorbell rings, and she went to answer the door. I was always curious who was at the door. So I was standing, you know, eight, nine feet behind. And it was a guy from a local church. It wasn't the church we belonged to in Fort Wayne, but another uh, church in the community. And he said, can I ask you two questions, ma'am? And she said, sure. And for those of us who are old enough, you remember the Kennedy evangelism method? You know, we'd go door to door and you'd ask the two questions. The first question is, if you died today, do you believe you'd go to heaven? And then the second question is, based on your answer, why? And she said, sure, I'll answer the question. So he asked her the first question. She said, he said, ma'am, if you died today, do you believe you'd go to heaven? She said, yes. And then he asked her the second question, why? And I remember this as clear as the day. It was something to the effect very close of, it's because of Jesus. He died on the cross for my sins. It's, it's what he's done for me. It's not me. It's, it's what Jesus has done. And then I also remember very clearly the response of the man. And he said, ma'am, I'll tell you this. I've knocked on a lot of doors <laughs> this Saturday. And most people have answered yes to the first question. If you died today, I believe you'd go to heaven. But you're the first one to answer the second question right. Every other answer has been some combination of what we would do. Like, I tried to live a good life. I believe in most of the Ten Commandments. I try to keep most of the Ten Commandments. I've never killed my husband, even though I thought about doing it. <laughs> you know, uh, I've always been faithful to my spouse. I don't gossip as bad as my neighbor. But it's some combination of what we do. And it's not what we do. It's what Jesus does for us. So as we are called to go and make disciples, we need to share that it's all about Jesus and what he has done for us. And I don't know about you, but when I hear the the term the Great Commission, I usually think of mission work, don't you? And when you think of mission work, many times we think of overseas missions, right? And that's a good thing. The mission fields of our world are so ripe. If you think about it, there are literally billions of people on this earth right now who don't know Jesus Christ. True? It's very true. And so the mission fields are extremely ripe, and we need more men and women and families to answer the call to be overseas mission, for all of us to pray for our overseas mission and to contribute our time and talents and treasures for those efforts. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9, beginning with verse 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So the field is very ripe. 
But as we saw in the video clip to start the message, and by the way, it does have sound. The service sound didn't work for some reason, but I think you still saw the gist. With the snow globes, although there are many opportunities to spread the word of God throughout the world, there's many opportunities in our backyards as well. Because the mission fields of Canton and Plymouth and Belleville and Northville and Detroit and Livonia and surrounding communities are filled in this community, metropolitan area, millions of people who do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I would say it's safe to assume if we would take uh, this point of this building, 7,000 North Sheldon Road here in Canton, and do a radius and go out a mile, go out two miles, we would find tens of thousands of people living and interacting and serving in our community who do not know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And we want everybody to be saved, right? Because the reality of what we talked about before is because of sin, we all die. Death is the great equalizer in life. And there's only two places we end up someday. There's no middle, third, nuanced, neutral, lukewarm option. No middle road. It's either heaven or it's hell. And heaven is a very real place. And it's wonderful living in the presence of God forever. Can't even imagine what that'll be like. And sadly, hell's a very real place too, with eternal separation from God. And eternity is an awful long time, and both options are eternal. I have a friend in ministry, serves, uh, he's a pastor in another state, and this is his ministry mantra. And before I state it, it's short, pithy, and almost a little shocking at first. It's not something you would say to somebody in line at Kroger's, <laughs> or the first thing you'd say at a birthday party you'd go to. Um, and I may have shared this once before briefly in a message, but I think it's really to the point. His ministry mantra or philosophy is this, time is short and hell is hot. Now that gets your attention, okay? But it's very real. Time is short. Do we know when the Lord is going to come again? We don't. Do we know how long the Lord will keep any of us on this earth or loved ones? I was just telling my wife, Laura, the other day that over the past four or five weeks, through different spheres of influence or connections or whatever, I've known of more situations of people who have lost loved ones very suddenly, seemingly without any uh, any notice, any physical symptoms, any warning. I know my wife teaches in one of the schools here in the Canton community, and I think it was the week before Easter, she lost the sixth grade uh, a sixth grade student of hers, his 43-year-old father died, just out of the blue. No warning, and it's just, life can be short. And the second half of his pithy little mantra, hell is hot, is true, but more importantly, hell is real. It's eternal separation from God. And we desire by the power of the Holy Spirit, and this is why Jesus gives us the Great Commission, to go out and have as many people join us someday with him in heaven as possible. Because we know from John chapter 4, beginning with verse 16, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life, the only path to God the Father, the only path to heaven. And I think increasingly we live in a world, we live in a country, we live at times even within church circles in our United States today where we may think, well, there's many gods, there's many paths, aren't there many spiritual journeys? Don't they all lead to the same place? And that may be very politically correct, it may be comforting, but it's not biblically correct. It's not true. Jesus is the only way. And the love of Christ in us compels us to want people to know of the one true way. What Jesus is saying to you and me is this, in the Great Commission, making it real. 
as we go to the office each day, as we go to the plant each day, live your life, live your faith, express my love, reflect and share that love that God has first shown us. As we take our turn with our minivan and we drive our carpool turn, picking up kids from various families after school and taking them home, driving different kids from different families to community club soccer events, to scouting events, Jesus is saying, live your life, live your faith, share and reflect my love, go and make disciples. For those of you who are students, Jesus is saying, as you go to school and you interact in the hallways and you learn in class and you eat in the the cafeteria, as you interact on the athletic field, live your life, express your faith, be open to my calling, express my love, go and make disciples. He says to each and every one of us, the people that he puts in our paths every single day, maybe even family members and neighbors and friends and close colleagues at work, best friends at school who don't know Jesus, maybe very difficult people that are in our lives, Maybe the person who's really annoying us in front of us in the line at Myers. <laughs> Maybe, I always see all of you guys at Myers. I think we all shop at Myers. Uh, uh, when we're in traffic and we just got cut off on I-275 and the person about made us have an accident and now we pulled up to them in the lane next to them at Ford and Haggerty where we're going to sit for a while at the light and we're wondering what to do. <laughs> Jesus says, Live out your life, live your faith, share and reflect my love. Go and make disciples with all the people that he puts in our paths. Share the love of Jesus so that they may know him. I was reading the other day that the average human being who lives the typical lifespan will get about a billion heartbeats in their life. I thought, well, that's kind of cool, about a billion heartbeats. Then I was thinking in preparing this message, How are we going to make use of those billion or so heartbeats that God gives us, the life that he's called us to? And especially as we encounter people who in their heart don't have the love and the faith of Jesus in their heart. Now, this great commission sounds like a great big undertaking, and it's not called the minor commission or the medium commission or the value-sized commission. It's called the Great Commission. But it's God who is doing the doing. And he will power us and he will help us and he will give us the opportunities to share his message. And for times like the disciples in our text where we have doubts, where there are months or weeks or stretches where maybe we don't feel like reflecting the love of God, thinking about other salvation and mission-mindedness is not even on our radar screen. For those times we struggle, for those times if you feel like one leg gets knocked out from you and the other one gets knocked out right after it, God is there to love us and empower us and encourage us and to remind us what he has called us to do and to be, to be his hands and feet, to share his love. And in the second half of Matthew 28, 20, we have that blessed assurance that Jesus says, and surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. D.L. Moody, who was a great Christian writer and thinker, said regarding the Holy Spirit, and his presence and help in our lives. He said, as a believer, you might as well try to not, you might as well try to hear without ears or breathe without lungs as it is to try to live out the Christian life without the power and the love and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your heart. Because this is a big commission. This is a big charge God has given us, but it's not, we're not lone rangers. He has promised to be with us, and he will send his Holy Spirit there to help us. And at times in my life, and I'm sure you've experienced it well, 
We have the promise of Scripture that at times the Holy Spirit will put the very words in our mouth that we need to speak when we don't know what to say. In the most difficult situations in life, maybe in the most difficult opportunities to share our faith. And I think there's other times I believe that God will just have us present in a situation. We may be tongue-tied. We may not say anything. The fact that we're just there, the fact that we're giving a listening ear, the fact that the person may know that we love Jesus, God will work through that because he's always present. He is always at work. And in the words of the popular title of the movie that's out there right now, God is not dead. By the way, go see that movie if you haven't. It's a really good movie. Uh, He is alive. He is at present. He is working in our lives in ways that we do not always imagine. And when it comes to living our faith and sharing our faith, and as tough as intimidating as that is for every single one of us, we have to remember this. We only plant the seeds of faith. It's the Holy Spirit that waters those seeds. It's the Holy Spirit that will grow them in his time and in his way. God calls us to be disciples and to make disciples. And in the New Testament, God uses the word disciple 269 times. Now, I think that's divinely significant. It talks about the importance of the task that he has called us to. But God is there to help us as we live our life powered by the Holy Spirit to try to live out the great commandment as imperfectly as we do. But as we strive with the love of Jesus to love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength and all of our mind, and our neighbors as ourselves. And for those times like the disciples where we're overcome with doubts and denials, we're tired, we're weary, we're jealous, we're like the disciples fighting among who's the greatest in the kingdom or whatever the challenge is, God is getting there to love us and forgive us and correct our perspective and he will do the powering, he will do the doing in working through our lives. We leave it to him. There was once a great Norwegian explorer by the name of Roald, it's like Ronald but without an N, R-O-A-L-D, Ubmanson. He lived in the late 19th century and early 20th century. And he's credited with discovering the South Pole, the magnetic meridian of the North Pole, a couple other parts of the North Pole, I think where Santa lives too. Some of us still believe. (laughs) But anyway, on one of his journeys to the North Pole, um, he released from a cage his homing pigeon, which a lot of times he would take with him. And being a homing bird, it would then make its way back to his home in Norway a couple days later. And it's reported that a couple days later after this journey, his wife was looking out the kitchen window, and she saw this homing bird circling above their house. And she exclaimed to a friend that was there, my husband lives. His presence is still on this earth. He made it to the North Pole. Because that was the visible symbol or communication that she knew that he made it and he was still with her. Because there was no phone service in Norway at that time, and that's before our current TGIF era of Twitter and Google and iPhone and Facebook. (laughs) That's how she knew. It was the old technology of the homing bird. Jesus, likewise, when he speaks these words to his disciples after his resurrection, shortly before he is going to ascend into heaven, is telling them, he's telling us that my presence will always be with you. I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to help you. And I'll also be sending my Holy Spirit to give you power and strength and encouragement and wisdom for those situations and those encounters and those challenges with people where it's tough to think about making disciples, to be my hands, to be my feet, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep striving to connect people to the living God, those neighbors and friends and family and coworkers and customers and all the people that we encounter in our daily lives, with the goal being this, by the power of God, 
that people would come to see and know Jesus. Praise be to God that he's called us to be a part of this work and do his work, that we're part of his army and mission, and that the Holy Spirit is guiding us every step of the way, that we're part of the Great Commission. Let's, with the power and love of God, go out and make disciples. Let's be about his kingdom work. Let's reflect and share that love that God has first shown us. In the name of our awesome God, who is not dead, who lives and reigns victorious, and will be with us every step of the way. Amen.